You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director of the film Never, Rarely, Sometimes, Always, Eliza Hitman. This is the most magical sound you will ever hear. I'm just not ready to be a mom. Where else could you go? Nowhere in Pennsylvania. I think you should try another place. Don't you ever just wish you were a dude? All the time. You ready? All right, everyone. I'm being joined right now by the writer and director of the new film, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, Eliza Hitman. The film has won the Silver Bear Grand Jury Prize at the 70th Berlin International Film Festival. It premiered earlier this year at the Sundance Film Festival to great response, uh, including from yours truly. And Eliza is here to talk to us about her film. Eliza, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We're so, so excited to have you here. Thank you for checking out the movie and for being a supporter. I appreciate it. Of course. I mean, it's a very, very extraordinary film. And anyone who saw your previous film, uh, Beach Rats especially, knows that you are someone to watch right now on the scene. I want to kind of just... Uh, pull it back a little bit and ask, following Beach Rats, what Mm -hmm. drew you to the story for Never Really, Sometimes, Always? What was on your mind during the writing process? Uh, You know, it's funny. This Never Really, Sometimes, Always was a film that I had been working on before Beach Rats. And it was actually a project that I returned to. uh, And I had started working on it in 2012. Uh, and was inspired by the tragedy um, of the death of Savita Halepanaver in Ireland, who passed away after being denied a life-saving abortion. And I just started reading about the journey that women would take from Ireland across the Irish Sea and back home when they needed an abortion. Uh, So I, I initially had like two treatments for a film, before Beach Rats. One was set in Ireland, but I didn't think anyone would let me make it, and I'm very practical-minded. So I wrote a, a treatment for a film set here, starting in Pennsylvania, about you know the real legal barriers a woman faces in trying to get an abortion. Um, but nobody was super excited about that pitch in 2013. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah, everybody was living you know, in an abortion, Obama era, and you know, I, I couldn't get any momentum for the project, so I put it aside and I made Beach Rats. But then, after you know, Beach Rats premiered and Trump was elected, you know, and I just started thinking about what I wanted to make next. My mind immediately returned to this project, and I felt like now is the moment. It's a little sad, isn't it, that like something uh, along those lines has to take place in order for uh, artists to be more creative, to express these personal stories that mean something to them. Um, do you think that hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, in the aftermath of uh, our current president's uh, presidency, that 
that trend uh, will continue, that we will still be hearing more stories that deal with subjects that wouldn't have been told uh, even just a few years ago? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I think that, you know, um, because of his offensiveness, you know, towards so many people, I think that, you know, it does generate a lot of different conversations and creative spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do think that there's a lot of work that's being made that's interesting in reaction to him. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that, you know, people are maybe sort of more aware of um, certain issues. Like, obviously, you know, I don't know if the Me Too movement would have happened without him being in office. Yeah. Yeah. Bringing it back to the movie uh, for a minute as well. And, this film is one that feels so personal, so heartfelt, and a large portion for that, at least I found, was because um, a lot of it takes place uh, with very, very little dialogue, and the dialogue that does mm -hmm. happen is extremely naturalistic. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if, if part of that is because of um, you did have some first-time actors uh, working on this film. Was there improvisation involved um, or was it really uh, nailed down in the scripting stages uh, exactly how these very natural scenes would play out? Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's, it's funny, I think that there's a naturalism to the performances and because of the proximity of the camera, yeah. you know, there's, you know, uh, a subtlety to the type of performance I'm looking at and looking for and really trying to get at what's underneath you know, what's, what's below the surface Yeah. in terms of the actual dialogue. I think, um, in some ways, actually the dialogue is stylistic mm. and not naturalistic, um, because there's very little said, you know, and they're not speaking. I'm not trying to capture the way real teenagers talk. I'm more interested in the way they behave. Yeah. So the, the dialogue is really spare. I didn't, you know, I didn't, didn't write spare dialogue to support the first time, you know, the first time ca acting cast. Mm -hmm. um, it's really just the way that I write. Sure. There's not so much improvisation either. Well, I, I have to say the film has a, a, a really, really terrific spontaneity to it, though, um, where you don't exactly know where the story is going to take you at any moment. And part of that also, too, you mentioned before about the lingering camera. Uh, this is now, I believe, I could be wrong, uh, the second time you've worked with uh, Aline Louvart, uh, your yeah, cinematographer on this film. There's a, a number of close-ups in this film, and a level of intimacy that you uh, spoke about that really does give us a window into um, who these people are, their souls, if you will, and not mm -hmm. only of the people, but the way you also captured uh, New York City, a, a city that I live in, is one of the most authentic and naturalistic uh, depictions of it I've ever seen actually on camera. Can you uh, just elaborate a little bit about your relationship in uh, working with her um, and uh, what you guys were striving for here? Yeah, I think the nice thing about continuing our collaboration, you know, is that Helen really knows the type of story I'm telling, mm -hmm. you know, and we didn't try and recreate what we did on Beach Rats, you know, because it's a different film, mm -hmm. um, but we, she does understand 
like a lot of my sensibility and instincts intuitively. Uh, and I like tend to shoot very subjectively. Like it's all about aligning the audience and immersing the audience in the character's point of view and not just optically. Mm. It's about understanding what she's thinking and feeling at all times and staying close to her first and foremost. And because she's hiding the secret, it's about keeping everybody else at a distance. So those are, you know, specific choices in the proximity, you know, to the character and the character's proximity to other characters. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, the basic approach throughout the film. Mm -hmm. uh, also, like, for me, there's a lot of details that are important. And Helen knows I like to capture those slightly off speed. Um, there's so many moments of the character and an extreme close-ups. And there's so many moments of the character kind of wrestling with control over her body. And those are moments that are also punctuated by like a slight slow motion and an extreme close-up. Yeah. Um, so in a way, like we have kind of a strategy and it's sort of a strategy that I've used through a lot of my films. Um, so the prep in a way um, goes quickly. And of course there's new elements, you know, that I'm working with, like the steady cam and, you know, in the exam room with a new concept and, there's a lot of dolly in places and, you know, we work together to sort of shot list the film and try and find a logic to where we're using what. Just in terms of shooting the city, you know, for me, uh, it was very much about showing how challenging it is for them to be there. And they're not tourists, you know, they're not looking around ever like they're there with a real purpose. And I felt like because they're young and because it's winter, they like they cling to Port Authority as a place that's safe. And for the most part, we see them only in liminal spaces throughout the film. So subways and waiting rooms and Port Authority. And, you know, there's really never a moment where they just like romanticize the experience or the city. Yeah. And going back to the performances again, I, I have mm -hmm. to bring up Sydney Flanagan because, mm -hmm. my God, uh, was she absolutely extraordinary in this. And her performance really, I, I think for everyone who watches this movie, um, I think her performance just astounds everyone. And, it, and it's mo and it's because, like you said, uh, of the, the style uh, that you are developing here. And when it culminates in that scene, the title scene of the film... I just, my, my jaw hit the ground. I could not believe uh, the level of depth uh, that she was conveying uh, in that performance. It was extremely uh, moving. And can you talk about discovering her and what your uh, working collaboration was like on this film? Yeah, I uh, I met Sydney when she was 14 years old. She was 19 when we shot the film. Wow. Um, and I was producing a movie uh, in Western New York in South Buffalo, which is where she's from. And uh, the movie was about juggalos. I don't know if you know what juggalos are. Not many people do. Um, and she was just on the periphery of this other film that was being made by my partner, Scott Cummings. We added her on Facebook and she's an aspiring musician. 
and she would just post these really lonely but really angry like videos of herself playing cover songs and I just we followed them for years like we were her we were her audience in a way and she didn't (laughs) even know it and while I was writing the script I had her in mind as like a reference but I never knew that she would ever audition or be interested in acting well good thing she was (laughs) yeah after like months of casting I was like, you guys, I think we really need to invite this girl, Sydney, in from South Buffalo. I think she's the one. And everybody thought I was bonkers. Um, And it took a little trust building, obviously, to get her to come to the city and to understand that it was a real opportunity and what it meant and what she would have to change in her life to come be a part of the shoot. But... She did it. <laughs> I know. I'm glad that she did, too. I, I think she I'm going to make a prediction right now. She will probably get a lot of breakthrough awards, I'm sure, this year, because, like I said, I haven't met a single person that was unimpressed with her work in this movie. Um, and you also Thank found you. a way to uh, put her music in the movie, too, in the very beginning, which I appreciate it's now that I've heard that. Music. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah, it's, well, her talent as a musician. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. And that was exciting to look for ways to incorporate into the story. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, final two questions. One one a little long, one short. The first question is, Is do you, do you feel that there's a common theme in your work so far? Uh, I've had a couple of people comment on this, and I've also noticed it a little bit as well. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what it could be. I mean, maybe you disagree. Uh-huh. Maybe you feel there isn't. Uh, but do you what feel... What do you think? You tell me. <laughs> I feel that you're... I, 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 I get... I feel that you're drawn to people. But when I say people, I don't mean uh, people in the sense of extraordinary like extraordinary people but average everyday people whose internal emotions are extraordinary and are complex yeah Yeah, i think that's how you know i approach writing characters for sure yeah you know i think a lot of my films deal with kind of lonely dark moments in during you know vulnerable periods of youth Mm -hmm. um but i also think that the film's play to adults and adults connect with the experience of these young characters and they're not necessarily just about being young right exactly and then uh last question easy question Mm -hmm. short question Mm -hmm. is um is there anything coming up uh that you're uh working on once uh never really sometimes always finishes its run uh we we want to see obviously more work from you and I was just curious if there is uh, stuff that's currently being planned. Uh, no, not at the moment. I'm I'm a full time professor, and I gotta get through the semester and get through the promotion of the film, and then I'll begin, you know, a new project. But for the moment, my hands are full. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey. Okay. Keep shaping the minds of the, of the young, right? <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And it was lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. You have a nice day. Okay. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director of the film Never Really, Sometimes Always, Eliza Hittman, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. The film is being released in the United States on March 13th, 2020. 
through Focus Features, and we really, really hope that you take a moment to go check it out. It's a really, really wonderful film from an artist who just continually keeps getting better and better. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time.